you to feel some of that. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the Pro Wrestling Edition. As you prepare to violate your personal space and inject that ear hole with another lethal dose of the performance. Enhancing audio, there's nothing else like it in the combat audio game. And the Brian Campbell, in fact, is the voice that you hear. Back from Vegas. UFC 229 in the rear view, ready to get back into some pro wrestling with you and ready to, to, to pop, ready to do a few of these sounds on the inside. Wow, just days removed from WWE Super Showdown in Australia and a pretty damn good week of main roster programming to boot. We will also recap in full detail the comings and goings of the revolution from NJPW King of Pro Wrestling on Sunday. People wondering all over the country, am I still all in? I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? Oh, oh, Brandy. Oh, yeah, Brandy. I mean, Brandy, can you feel that? Can you feel what I'm feeling right now? Feel that! Oh, yeah! I'm feeling it all right now. I'm feeling it all. So are our listeners. They have flooded us with DMs. So many that we can't even read a, 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 a high percentage. But just know we hear you. Thank you for listening. We're back. We're ready. We're going to recap. We're going to go deep. And I have a co-host, and he's a pretty, typically pretty an angry guy who likes to hedge. But we love him just the same. Let's bring him in. Say hello to the bad guy. Oh, yeah. He's ready. South Florida's own the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey, now, you call me angry, but you're the one who's been bitching and complaining about WWE over the last month. Meanwhile, yeah, it's the roots of anger. Couple- I, I anger about things that are injustice. You, what you do just, I get? Then, what, well, then what's my anger? It's, it's unjust. Uh, your angle of anger is just like, oh, too many people are happy right now. I've got to take down their happiness level a notch. It's, I mean, that is the definition of Brian Campbell post-SummerSlam. And since. Oh, no. Oh, no. What I did inside those dirty bedsheets has has really changed WWE programming. It's woken up a lot of our fans. It's the whole idea yes. that when yes, you Vince get was, a, Vince was there with you. When you get yes. a morsel of that steak, when you get a taste of that good stuff, Adam, you can't go back. But I'm not here to tell you that WWE, your pride and joy, is all bad, Adam, because we are in a really good time right now, this day. This wow, week, what a surprise. This hour as wrestling fans. What a surprise. The revolution is injected full throttle. Uh, we want all of our listeners. I wouldn't say that. Oh, it's so good right now. Oh, my okay. God. It's There's so, problems. It's There's so, issues. Do you know how, like, the, the steak is so good, I don't even need sauce. I don't even need sides. It's well, you straight, should never have sauce with steak. It's I mean, who straight are you? meat. It's straight meat. It's just, like, and it's juicy, too. You do and, love your meat. You do love your meat. That's what I've heard. Well, the, there's also some people that say that about you. Let me tell you Let me tell you a piece of meat that I enjoyed. <laughs> wow. 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 wow you no, know, that not in context wow. sounds really bad to see it really does um yeah so we're back from uh, all that mcgregor uh nonsense which was pro wrestling to a degree although it was real brother that was a shoot that was a damn shoot what happened there so everything uh, is pro wrestling boxing is pro wrestling oh no that was gang UFC warfare that was not pro wrestling that that was that was real that was a shoot and now we're back to things that are works but good thing about these works is that they work this week I'm very happy pro wrestling fan. I barely, we always let the listeners know what's really going on in our lives, the tension between us, the things that are happening. I barely had enough time to watch most of the stuff. I just finished that NJPW 
main event as we were about to hit play. So I know I'm a little behind. I didn't watch 205, NXT, May Young, uh, the King of the Ring 95. I didn't watch any of those things, but I am where I need to be right now. You fired up. You better, you, know you better have watched King of the Ring 95 if you're doing this podcast. Uh, look, here's the thing. Just a quick recap before we get into the show. The May Young Classic, it might be the best thing going right now. Oh, don't say over, that. Don't say that. Over the NJPW shows that we have just seen. And I'm not saying that the over? any individual match is better, but top to bottom, these hour-long shows are delivering. NXT last week, whatever. 205 Live last week, also whatever. Um, but May Young Classic, you have not watched a single episode of it. I, I Brian, have seen Casey Kenton Zero's action because I'm a big uh, Ninja Warrior mark. So I'm, okay, I'm, so you I'm saw one match out of uh, 12 that we've seen so far, right? Okay, let me put it this way. If you liked in any level May Young Classic 1, this is four times better. Good, because I, I thought maybe Young Classic 1 was good, but I had Massive to labor. To me. I had to labor through it to finish it. I have not approached this yet, but you you love just... This, this is, so, is as good as the Cruiserweight Classic. Okay, here we go. Again, this is very Costosian. It is. It is. This is it a is. very Costosian reply to come out here and one, say, this is even better than the latest NJPW shows, and then two, be like, it's better than the fine wine that is the CWC, which, by the way, pairs perfectly with steak. This is, again, you not listening to what I'm saying. It's as good as the Cruiserweight Classic, not better. We're only early into the second round. It is extremely good. We're being introduced to a lot of new women, and they're awesome. And I have a hot take on it coming up later in the show that we will discuss, even though you haven't seen it, so you're not really going to be able to reply to me about it. But Maybe I'm be loving on the, the May Young Classic. In the Silver King. Maybe that'll be on that. People can come and hear God you forbid, say. God forbid I like something. Sorry. People can, people can come and hear you say that it's as good as the CWC. That's blasphemy in these parts. It's as good as the CWC at this point in the CWC. So, wow. Wow. All right. It's really right. freaking good. All right, it really this. is. All right. Hey, why don't we just do a show here? What do we usually start off with? It's something called three words. The main event. This is the main event. All right. So no super showdown instant analysis, even though we tend to only do that for the big four, five, six pay-per-views anyway. Um, but there's a lot to talk about coming out of this show, BC. And I got to be honest with you. I woke up around 830 in the morning. I watched it delayed, tried not to be spoiled. Of course, WWE sent a press release into my inbox that spoiled two matches for me. Just as I was about it's to start that. on you, that. Silver King. That's on you. It's not on our it's listeners. Not on it's not on it's WWE. Not on it's, it's on me. you, bro. They should not be sending a press release out for something that happened at 7 a.m. Eastern time, okay? As simple as that. Anyway, uh, by the time I got through watching it, I wasn't sure if it was me, like, going crazy or if I actually thoroughly enjoyed a show that I expected to be way more like Money in the Sand than I did a normal WWE pay-per-view. But, Brian... What is your initial impression, your overall thought of Super Showdown? I, I, can't, I can't believe it. You've used the term to me over emails and stuff. You said it had no business being this good. Not only is that correct, not only is this – this is not even close to money in the sand or – Not even close. Out backlash like we thought we were going to call it. This was almost like the feeling of SummerSlam 92 in England. And what yes. I'm saying is, A, this was an adequate to – Pretty damn great 2018 WWE regular pay-per-view. So that that's a big spectrum. But what I'm saying is 
There's nothing bad about it. It was at worst entertaining, at best in contention for one of the best pay-per-views of the year. But the passion of the crowd amped it up to another level. The booking in the matches, and say what you will about the end booking in a lot of the matches. Sure, That's worthy sure. of a debate. There, I got a lot of DMs from people that are going, hey, fun show in Australia, but what's the hell's up with all the finishes? But the spots, the attention to detail in this was thoroughly enthralled. I can't believe this happened, and it's now opening <laughs> me up to a point where I'm basically saying, hey, WWE, if you want to go in this direction. Now, in the early 90s, when they went in the direction of Europe, it wasn't because they were crossing over to the world, and they're worldwide now, Titus. It was because their business in the UF was suffering hardcore in what we know about international business in pop culture. And this is no disrespect to our friends in Europe or Asia or any other uh, territories and continents in the world. But what happens when a washed-up act in America? What do they do next? They go to Europe or Asia where they can like Stephon sell Marbury. out stadiums. Stefan Marbury, David Hasselhoff, where you can like yep. sell out stadiums because people just go for it. They did that in the early 90s during the steroid trial when they needed to with Bret Hart as the face. They're doing it now because they want to financially. And what you get when you do that, no different than if you're a big Pearl Jam fan and you listen to any concert in Spain or Italy, the crowd's through the roof rabid insane. It makes it feel special. And for as much as we argue that WWE pay-per-views today don't feel special, it's got the same look as what happened on Monday Night Raw five nights earlier. These cards look different. They feel different. And if we get this type of booking, Adam, at least to show you that there's some care. It's not a house show. There's some care. I'm going to go as far right now and tell you I was so ready to just urinate all over that main event with all those old dudes, all those bald guys. I didn't just like it. That was a WrestleMania match. That was booked like a WrestleMania match, and I loved it. I loved it. Do I love where it's going now? No, we'll get to that. But I loved it. That match was booked better than Triple H Sting, which saw DX and the NWO, and we're like, wow, that's so cool that they had DX and the NWO. But that match was booked better, and we will get to that match. My one quick comment, make it like 10 minutes shorter, and it's epic. It didn't need to be 25 minutes. But aside from that, it was freaking awesome. You did take my line that it had no business being as good as it was, but I think I figured out the reason why. It's not that this was so great. It's that our expectations of it were so low that this delivering a very good event said to us, wow, WWE significantly exceeded our expectations, where with, cre- uh, not Crown Jewel, where with Money in the Sand, A, it, was, it felt and was obviously rushed. It ruined, in some ways, WrestleMania three weeks earlier because they didn't give us finishes at WrestleMania that we deserved because they had the rematches at Money in the Sand. So it ruined WrestleMania to a small degree. And the event itself, we had just seen all the matches, so we weren't amped up for it on its own. When you combine all of that, Money in the Sand was a disaster for WWE in terms of booking, storytelling, match quality, all that stuff. This they treated it like a pay per view. Yeah, they you're they, not they didn't you're, you're not always going to get every finish that you want, but you're going to get some. And and not bast not having a bastardized 200 man Royal Rumble that just takes the premise right. of something we love two months right. after it already happened and just turning it into a bad All Star game. Not doing that this time around. I mean, the difference was we had an old guy classic last time ever match last time in the sand, and it was Cena versus Triple H, but it was booked a thousand percent like you're at the Poughkeepsie, New York, uh, Mid-Atlantic Event Center watching it, you know, whatever. This was different. Like I said, we got WrestleMania level booking out of Triple H and Taker, and say what you will, whether 
we should actually saw something like that at SummerSlam or WrestleMania, which I'm not here right. to crap on WrestleMania. It was great. You already know what I feel about SummerSlam. But if this is the direction we're going and they're going to reward us caring about this, the level that they're trying to sell it to us, then I'm fired up. That's that's the thing. They said to us, hey, we know most of our audience is in America. We're going to reward you for watching it. We're not going to make you regret waking up early or, you know, watching it soon after in the morning on a Saturday. We're not going to make you regret watching it. Whereas Money in the Sand, we tune in at noon on a Friday and we're like, what the hell are we watching? Oh, cool. There's Pyro. Like that, like that was the takeaway from Money in the Sand. Besides that, it was pretty ridiculous. Okay, let's talk about Super Showdown, what actually happened on the show, BC. And let's start with that main event. Triple H defeats The Undertaker. I believe, sir, I had that. And not only did I have it, I had the exact freaking finish. I said, super kick, pedigree, done. That's exactly what we got with a couple sledgehammers in there in between. And they are obviously leading up, and now it's official, Tuesday night, or Monday night, to a Triple H... HBK reunion Degeneration X against the Brothers of Destruction at Money in the Sand 2. So, two part question for you. One, we kind of discussed already, we kind of agreed the match definitely delivered. Is there anything that left you wanting from that match? And two, what do you think about HBK returning to the ring in this scenario? All right, the match 100% delivered, better than my expectations. Even though I do not like seeing a shirtless Undertaker with a gut at 50-something with dyed hair, like, it's starting to get bad. It's starting to get bad with Triple H, too, who, by the way, still, like, must juice up before these events because he looks great. But, look, he's old. He looks right? he looks good, though, compared to the other three. Yeah, true. But he didn't even look as good as he did recently. And I'm not here to crap on that he looked a little different. I'm just saying, like, the, the combination I hope of, I, lo- I hope I look that good at his age. The Go combination – well, I, I hope you have access to those type of untraceable <laughs> uh, performance-enhancing audio. But uh, the point is uh, – it delivered. What was I watching for? I was watching for it to end right there. Because while it was good booking to have all four raise their hand and do the respect thing, and obviously that's a callback to that WrestleMania in New Jersey when after the cage match, when Shawn Michaels, uh, Taker, and Triple H did essentially the same thing. So they tricked you into believing, oh, we're just going to do that again for the Australian fans. Four legends are going to take a bow. So I like the, the swerve there with the heels dr- delivering finishers on them. I just don't want to see this continue this is a one-off to pop fans in australia and like i said it would have been fine at SummerSlam or mania not in the main event but it would have been perfectly fine i would have liked a little more storyline to get us to care why they're fighting whatever minor complaint but now we're going into what you mentioned sean michaels returning and this is one million percent a bastardized way to have sean michaels return we talked about it last week if you're a fan of this and you've been itching for this and this is the one guy out of everybody who has refused to return you want it against aj samoa name your guy along that list so to do it with these four is bad and to bring back dx on monday night you know it didn't work and i gotta say i love dx obviously but this is a gimmick that's you know, a little. it was a response to the NWO. It's a little more sophomoric than the NWO. And I'm sorry, at 50 and bald, the two words thing, it's, I think that's the limit. If you say, you know, how old can you be to still say two, to, to, to still drop two words on people and it's okay and it's funny? I think we actually passed that. You don't like what I'm saying? Well, you can suck. Oh, come on, come on. Just, all right. But that's John Cena at like 23 that's saying that, okay? Triple H at 48, no. Does the NWO still work a couple of years when these guys show up? Yeah, it's a little more of a gangster gimmick. When they did this reunited DX thing in, like, what, 04, 
05. Every two years, yeah. It was watered down. Michaels was a born-again Christian. He didn't want to do some of the – so they played off of that. They didn't. They weren't as whatever as rated R. But even then, that was a nostalgic reunion tour. This is the Rolling Stones at 70 doing a concert while they legitimately have guitarists behind the curtain filling in the 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 uh, the riffs so that because they, they just can't hack it anymore. I don't want DX. I don't want it. I don't yeah. want it. I didn't want it at Raw 25 when we just threw the revival out there and let everybody hit finishers on them like it was some kind of can I say that B word? The boo B-U-K. I can't say that word on the air, right? No, it, it you felt, cannot say that word. It no. felt like that, okay? Because they're just <laughs> passing them around, doing the, uh, do, I don't even know if it's a U, by the way, but I don't care. That's a gross word. That's absolutely disgusting. But you know what I'm saying? I don't need DX right now. Thank you. So, I love you, but that's a crap take. So, the DX part is a crap take. Here's why. DX does business. That shirt is pretty damn cool. The crowd pops for it. Uh, the phraseology that they use, their ability to ratchet up the badassery of being DX versus just being Triple H and Shawn Michaels. I mean, that's a, that's a crap take. I think it's there's no issue with that. The issue is with Shawn Michaels returning to wrestle, and like you said, the good part of your take, it being in a tag team match where everyone's combined age is 200, okay? And I don't want to see him against anyone in that match. I want to see him against... AJ, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, guys that you mentioned, right? So what I would have rather them had done is because the sledgehammer got involved, the table got involved, I think there was a chair at Super Showdown, they came out and said, we challenge you to a non-sanctioned match or something where HBK is still retired and he doesn't go back on his word, yet he still performs and he's still in a match. So it retains that for the wrestling purists like you and I who have always loved that he never came back and and stuck to his word, but it also gets him back involved in action because BC in Australia, HBK basically had a match, except he wasn't in it. So, you know what I mean? Like he already really did come back. Like like that's basically what it is. Right. So, so the story around a Shawn Michaels return to the ring should be about Shawn Michaels. It shouldn't be as the third name in a storyline, because the storyline is Triple H and Undertaker, then Sean, then Kane in the four spot. So I didn't like any of that. In terms of the match of Super Showdown, you basically said it. It really delivered. It was way better than it should have been. Um, you know, Triple H doing a elbow drop off the apron through a table, knocking Kane out. Shawn Michaels with a couple, couple super kicks. He can't get his leg up all the way. The sledgehammer making a, a show. Uh, the tombstone pile driver. HBK going through the table. What is there really to hate on about that? So... A hero, if we're doing Hero Zero, hero to Super Showdown, hero to the reformation of DX, zero to Shawn Michaels returning in the sweat. Here's why you're wrong on the DX part, and it's not just my whole, do I want bald guys at 50 doing suck it? And I don't. I don't, by the way. It's just that it just doesn't work anymore, and that's fine if you you disagree, but a couple of our listeners dropped in some good reasons why you shouldn't. Kentucky Long Rifle, yes, that is actually an email. Uh, our, our boy added Dusty Allen, who's been busy because he's been coaching cross-country. He hasn't been around in a while. He, he, he apologizes. But he says, hey, so new twist. Trips is going to be in two factions at once. SmackDown 1000 is next Tuesday, and Evol- Evolution's going to be there. Oh, you're jumping ahead. You're jumping uh, ahead. Okay. All about making that money on new shirts, I guess. And, th- and it's not jumping ahead because this is it part is. of the problem with why DX doesn't work right now. Because it's not just... You already have him coming back in Evolution, 
and now you're also going to throw out DX. It's that he's corporate Triple H. It's that we already have a problem with this guy can be a destroyer villain on Raw and then two nights later be the babyface hero on NXT. And now you're going to have those two contrasting roles and a well, third role where he gets into it with his old buddies and now we're going to come back with DX and, and with green light-up sticks. No, no, it well, doesn't work. First of, all, first of all, and we'll get into the, the evolution return because that's our t- first hero or zero question. So that is why you're jumping ahead. But... Triple H hasn't been visible on NXT in, I think, two years. So let, let's get that That's out of the way. Yeah, it is. He doesn't do the intro anymore. They don't show him on TV. He he does it media. He does media stuff with us, but he's he not on TV anymore. He comes out on Raw and talks NXT. He came out for – he had the Sean, the Seth Rollins thing in, in San Antonio in 2017. Come on. He's been around. Okay, but he's not a visible – okay, my point is – yes, you're right about that 2017 thing. My point is he's not a visible part really – of NXT day-to-day. And even if he was, that's kind of a separate world than the main roster. I do agree that there's an issue DX versus Evolution, but Evolution's basically, all that is, is, hey, Batista's showing up. So everyone from Evolution will be there. Randy's already on SmackDown. We have Triple H in our employment. Uh, You know, Ric Flair is Charlotte's dad. Everyone's there, so Evolution's together. I don't think they're doing a run as Evolution. I don't think they're going to have a Survivor Series match as Evolution. That's very different. I do agree it's strange, but that doesn't change this match. For me, and it doesn't change DX. All right, our, our, our great buddy Tristan Adelano, the king of the signs in the crowd, at Adelano underscore Tristan, he's very upset. Here's what he has to say. So I'm sitting here watching Raw, and I can't help but notice WWE isn't progressing with any new storylines. Everything they're throwing on TV is old, rehashed stuff that has worked in the past. The Shield has him lukewarm. The Trish Alexa stuff has little to no story, and he says, come on! Does anybody need to see DX? No exclamation point. Get it off my TV. BC, can we stop with the cheap pop, no build, one off, and give me some stories? Now, I want to counter Tristan and say, he's wrong. as a whole, he's wrong. Because they he's are wrong. giving stories. I'm actually yeah. really excited from Sunday into Monday on where we were going overall. I love our guy Tristan, so shout out to him for taking part. You're wrong on that, Broham. You were right on all those signs in the crowd, especially at WrestleMania, by the way. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like... Uh, brother on board. I mean, it was great stuff. It was fantastic stuff. But he is damn right, though, to close on DX. It's just, it's cheap. We don't need it. He's right because he, he's right because he agrees with you, but he's not right. Uh, and, and I like him very much. Great tweeter, great sign bringer to shows, big fan of ITC. Full respect. That's not a good DM. You're wrong. They no. are building storylines. Some of the storylines do involve older people, but you can't tell me that within even the shield and let's call them dogs of war because they're sometimes called that. You can't tell me there's not something going on there storyline-wise oh, yeah. with working. both sides individually. There, there is, and it's not the same as always. It's not. It's, it's different. Um, so let's move on to that, though, even though I was going to talk about it a little bit later. Uh, Shield versus Dogs of War, they had that six-man tag at Super Showdown. I thought it was good. They repeated it on Raw. BC, I thought it was great on Monday Night Yeah, like, so insane. Now, to pull Tristan back in for one second and give him, give him a nod – the idea of running these back, like when you when you turn on it's Monday ridiculous. Night Raw and they're yeah. showing you, we are going to repeat this two of the six people tag matches we just did on Saturday. It's such BS. It's such going back to the to the you know, but the fact that they had storyline developments off of those certainly can help save it. And what you mentioned there, the Monday Night match was better than the Saturday Night match. The Monday Night match was friggin' fantastic. And anytime you get pay per view intensity and juice on a Monday Night Raw match, certainly that amps it up. Overall, they're going slow with the storyline, but they are going. And that's a good thing. 
and the pieces are starting to fit together. From Dean Ambrose getting knocked off the apron on Sunday by Roman Reigns, and I liked a lot of the little nuances in that match. A lot of the little, you know, guys coming through the crowd as the shield with the old school masks on. I mean, there were certain things that they did really well. And then Dean Ambrose walking away on Monday night after they lost that match. And that simultaneously, Adam, with the Dogs of War storyline of who's the weak link, who's going to be the one that ends up leaving. Is it Dolph? Is it Drew? Braun is like, no, shut up. You guys are only here to help me out. All that worked. You thought they were going to break up. And then you had Dean dipping back into his anger pool. So they didn't. they didn't bring it through, meaning they left us kind of cliffhangering, but in a good way. I like where we're going with this. Yeah, so I thought on Sunday, or on Saturday, actually, it was cookie cutter. Like, it, it was a good match. There was some decent action in there. But you always knew the Shield was going to win. You always knew Dolph Ziggler was going to be the one who got pinned. So it didn't really matter how the match transpired because you knew the finish, right? On Monday, like you said, they really went in two different directions. I enjoyed it. I don't necessarily love the direction with Dean Ambrose because it just seems like he's irrationally upset. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't—it doesn't necessarily make any sense for him to be that upset, given the scenario. Given he knew that Roman didn't hit him on purpose, and he came back to save him, and now twice they've made believe that he was going to turn on them, and both times he didn't. So it's like, well, then why is he turning on them now? We're walking away, or whatever the case. So, but that said, I'm enter—I'm so entertained by it, and the match was so good that instead of being Silver King picking apart nitpicking, I'm going to sit back and say. Tell me the story. I'm in. I'm excited. Keep going. So I had no issue with it whatsoever. And dude, that match on Raw, like, I don't know how to grade it necessarily. That's a four-star match-ish. Like, that was yeah, yeah. hot freaking fire. It was great. The only part on Raw regarding that storyline I thought was unnecessary was Paul Heyman. Yeah, it was a, it was one of those, Let's re- we got him in town. Let's remind everybody that Brock Lesnar is returning. But, but not was- on your TV. But that was delivered on the ramp, and I hate what they're starting to do a lot, which is like Elias plays guitar as somebody else walks in for their next match and interrupts him, and it makes there's no connection or correlation well, there. Well, that and was a callback because the women have been doing that to him. True, but so, they, they, it's a new thing they do. They do like to do it on SmackDown a lot, where Charlotte right. Flair will walk in on somebody, you know. And it's just in general, I don't like that. They did that with Paul Heyman. It felt weird, but uh, I like where we're going. I like that triple threat match in in the sand with uh, Brock Lesnar. So, you know what? I can't complain, and you're top-level storylines have to be the things that are carrying you to, to keep people entertained and not angry. And even though they are giving us too much of Ziggler and McIntyre versus Rollins and Reigns, some form of that every week in multiple ways mm-hmm. down our throat, it's starting to drive me nuts, like the bar versus, uh, what was it, Rollins and, and Ambrose. Ambrose. Like, guys, come on. You, there's got to be more cre- creativity it, there. Well, so they are, and, and you're right. But the truth is they're bu- they built to the Super Showdown. They're building to Crown Jewel Money in the Sand too. Once that's over this storyline needs to end. There needs to be a resolution of some type moving on, whether it's pieces of it, whether it's the entire thing disintegrating. This is the end of the line. It has to be. I can't take this into a a Survivor Series where they each recruit two more men and they have a five-on-five Survivor Series match. I can't do it. You might. You might have to. You might have to. Kurt Angle Angle back on the shield, Baron Corbin with the Dogs of War, one other person on on each side. I can't do that. So let's let's keep Survivor Series Raw versus SmackDown. And let's end this storyline after Crown Jewel. Okay, two more things to talk about with Super Showdown, then we'll move on for the rest of the show. First, AJ Styles retaining the title over Samoa Joe in that no countout, no disqualification match. And Samoa Joe is now injured. He suffered a knee injury that got exaggerated, it seems, on SmackDown. Simultaneously with that um, 
Well, did that he super sub- was that a real injury when he went through the table against uh, AJ during that match? No, no, that's, I think it was fake. Okay. Don't so so that's the shirt. way to get him out of the, the title picture, essentially, without him. It was a, it was an excuse for him to lose that and to not be in the World Cup and for them to not do anything with Samoa Joe, somehow, after being the hottest thing, second hottest thing on SmackDown to Becky Lynch. But simultaneously with AJ retaining over Samoa Joe, um, and we'll talk about that match, but Daniel Bryan beat The Miz in two minutes and 25 seconds in the co-main event of the show to become the number one contender, and the crowd, they weren't shocked like in excitement, they were shocked that they finally got to see Daniel Bryan, and they only saw him for 225, and the match was over. Yeah, so that, that tell was, me what you think of those two matches. That was lame. That, 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 the, quick, the quick match was really lame. Now, the end game of where we are going, which is a really intriguing AJ Styles-Daniel Bryan double babyface feud for something that matters, the, the championship, I love it. Because in any time you have two real white-collar babyfaces in this regard, somebody's going to have to act a little bit dirty, and I love when white that happens. White-collar babyfaces? AJ's not white collar, white meat baby faces. Um, yeah, well, I guess when he I, literally calls himself a redneck, he ain't I guess when you, yeah, I guess white collar implies businessman. When I guess I was thinking yeah. almost like priest, maybe, but um, oh, oh, gotcha. But uh, yeah, I got caught up in my own sort of words there. So I like when they do that, and I like a hundred percent where we're going, and I love the Miz's involvement as the chief antagonist. But to close off on what happened on Saturday, like I'm never against a squash finish because it mixes it up and it gives you the feel like this is an actual fight and actual fights can end with a finish out of nowhere this was actually not that this was a weird roll-up out of nowhere that made you question for a while like somebody get hurt did somebody miss a cue dude what the heck's going on here in the end that show was running long and especially me trying to frantically catch up after the fact and watch it i wasn't that mad that i didn't have to sit through a lot but i felt bad for anyone in australia who loves the storyline, had dreamed of these two ever facing each other, said, this match is coming to my city. Guys like Omar Al-Rashid, our boys down there in Melbourne, and they did not get this. Yeah, I, I do kind of feel bad for that, but I like where we're going. I do so like I, where we're going. I, I think you can have the same finish in a four-minute match where you get some good offense, and the roll-up is cleaner and more directed. Like, he he surprises with the finisher, falls on top of him, one, two, three, Rolls him up after a big move, one, two, three, and Miz gets caught. So I'm not like a knockout, like you're talking about in like a real fight, something precedes it. Like there's a big punch, right? Or an uppercut or, yeah, or something happened. Remember how Cody finished Juice Robinson a week ago in NJPW where he got hit with a superplex, but yet he definitely grabbed yes. the legs and reversed the exactly. pin? Exactly. Exactly like Randy Savage against Dynamite Kid at the 1985 Wrestling Classic Tournament in that pay-per-view. It was exactly old school like that. Something like that would have worked. Or... Remember when uh, Miz hit Daniel Bryan with his own move in that right before mm-hmm. the finish? If Daniel Bryan would have countered with a skull-crushing finale, exactly, that, there's some trash talk he could have put in his face. But whatever, exactly. whatever. No, no, but 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 that's the reason I didn't like it. I don't mind a fast match. Like think about Sheamus Daniel Bryan. That was a six-second match. That is all. He surprised him with the bro kick. He pinned him. Think about so Rock they, Eric Rowan. Yeah, so if they did something like that, it would have worked for me. I just didn't like the finish, not so much the time. But So you have that, and then AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, since you didn't really talk about it, I thought that was the match of the night. Yes. And we're going to talk about the other one that would you know, be a contender for it, but I did think that was the match of the night. I thought it was their best, best match together in WWE, and I thought it was better than any of the AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura matches. That we saw. I agree with all the above. It was very gritty. They used the the tables and the weapons perfectly in this, and I felt that... The sta- the, the freaking stare down? Oh, yeah. Beginning? All of that I felt justified Ooh. the 
the darkness of the storyline, which you had to have AJ coming out really looking for revenge. And you know, in the long run, as much as we would have loved Samoa Joe with that title, I really like that AJ kept it because it keeps that streak alive. And he had to go through hell to, to keep it in this feud. And yes, this is in your conversation now for, for feud of the year. One of the better yeah. handle feuds overall. Really happy and very creative way to get rid of Samoa Joe. Straight through to the, to the uh, uh, what do you fight? Jeff Hardy? Um, yes, on SmackDown, and we will get to that as well. But uh, this also does inject, and BC, this is what you and I have been talking about. It injects Miz into a feud with AJ Styles. Obviously, we saw a Miz TV Tuesday night, and it, it seems to be, whether they're going to give us exactly what we're hoping for or not, it seems like the train is moving down the track to Miz eventually winning the WWE title and Daniel Bryan possibly facing him for it at WrestleMania. Love it. So we're... We are moving down this track, and they're doing a really good job combining both storylines. There's tag team match possibilities, triple threat possibilities. There's a lot of different directions we can go, and I love this line for The Miz. Do you have the audio I or I don't no? have the audio, but, but – I will read, read the line because I'm happy to repeat a Miz line. He said, do you want to know why the WWE Championship doesn't headline pay-per-views? Look in the mirror. I don't care who wins. I've got next. That was That's great. great. It was perfect. Well, it's perfect because it's real. It's something that, that's it's talked true. about yeah. outside. And when you bring that in and you expose things that are real, you love that. And we do have a DM slide related to that. That's fantastic. From Doug Kutire at Doug underscore Coutier. Doug, if I butchered your name, look, it's all love and war here. In all sincerity, can we start the petition now that if the WWE Championship does not main event a pay-per-view by year's end, that we will officially boycott all WWE global <laughs> pay-per-view events? They insult AJ. They insult the belt. In parentheses, title. title. This apparently is a big Silver King fan. And they insult our fandom every time it's on halfway through the card. Also, it will be a damn outrage if the Universal Championship main events a mania if anyone short of Taker is carrying it. The belt is trash. The legacy is trash. The booking <laughs> of every title change since Kevin Owens has been trash. Get that title off my TV and onto Facebook Watch where it belongs. <laughs> wow. That, this, what, Doug Coutier. That's good. Well, yeah, he's kind of that was good. He's slinging like that. hot fuel there. I don't know if I well, agree with all that. but Well, the funny thing about it, though, is they, they're like, the whole storyline was we're going to make sure the Universal title is on TV every week. You know, Roman's going to win it off Brock Lesnar. And now he's in a feud where he's not defending the title. I mean, he will be a crown jewel, but he hasn't defended it because he's been in a six-man situation. So he carries it. Some weeks he doesn't even carry it. He walks through the crowd just in his shield gear, and, and the title's nowhere to be seen. So I think that's hysterical. But let's wrap up the Super Showdown by very briefly discussing the other match of the night. And you could make an argument for it being the best match on the show. Buddy freaking Murphy winning the Cruiserweight Championship over Cedric Alexander. Alexander had not lost a match in a year. And Buddy Murphy was fantastic. Got a great reaction. Had the Australian flag coming out of his pants on his way to the ring. BC, tell me. I mean, that was a feel spot moment, right? Uh, that I mean, that I was so fired up as a Buddy Murphy super fan. So fired up as somebody who said this matchup one day is going to do, you know, they need a full feud. They need a mania match. This felt like a mania match. Granted, they only did 10 and a half minutes, but it was insane. The athleticism of both the quick package moves. I mean, Buddy Murphy's tope, and that's my favorite move in wrestling. And certainly a lot of guys from Finn Balor to, to Kenny Omega do it incredible. Murphy's is out of control, and that's why I love it, because there's so much power and thrust into it. He nailed that outside great. To see him presented as an alpha babyface in this spot in his home country, oh my, you, I mean, like, he jumped through the screen with impressiveness. Yep. Of course, the crowd around him made it feel special. The moment 
that Buddy got hit with that lumbar check and mm-hmm. kicked out. The crowd yep. knew exactly what was happening. And did you see Buddy nail that finisher? What does he call that? Do you know? Is it Murphy's Law? I mean, he spun him. I mean, it was almost, it was almost one wing angel esque. The way the, the speed, how he cradled the neck. I mean, it was absolutely badass. I I love that moment. That was arguably the best moment of the show for me. And our good buddy Omar Al Rashid was going sick. He he quoted me specifically. His quote was, "My feel hole was penetrated, and Mark Milk was spilling all over me." Now, like, <laughs> while we support his uh, his intensity, that was a little bit gross. I mean, come on, it was, Omar. and we've gotten a couple pretty gross uh, DMs yeah, as of late. Um, you know, Omar, you're better than that. But Buddy is. Yeah. So I've said it before. I'll say it again. He's the the biggest rising young stud in the company. And yes. he, one day he's going to look at 205 in the deep rear view of that mirror. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong that this guy will one day be a, a leg, I don't want to go as far as saying a legitimate pay-per-view main event WWE championship level guy, but maybe he's too short for that. I don't know. Well, you can tell me, but I, I the, just love the him. point is the point is that he has a massive ceiling. He has a very, very high ceiling and you could be, he could be someone like Dolph who goes on the main roster and ends up being an absolute beast worker who does get a title at some point or, but is mainly a mid card champion for most of his career, but is great. Or he could wind up being someone dare. I say like Kenny Omega, the, the thing we don't know about him is does he have the on mic charisma and storytelling ability to be something like Omega? Because he definitely has the in ring ability. There's no question. He has the stamina. He has the athleticism. He has the body type. He has that package. The question is, can they translate the entire thing? And will they take him out of 205 Live fast enough where 18 months from now, he's not still there, not as champion, just kind of waffling around. This is a guy who, when he drops this title, needs to move to the main roster. That's and, the key. And he needs to feud Braun Strowman over the, over his wife. But uh, uh, <laughs> by the way, his member's old tag team partner, the NXT title holder, Wesley Blake. Yeah, he's in uh, the Forgotten Sons now in NXT. Yeah, it's pretty forgotten. They're, they look like a bunch of like war-torn guys who are trying to fit back into civilization. Well, they're like doomsday preppers, southern type of right. former hey, army guys go, go type of deal. Wesley, Blake, you know what? Th- there's been worse gimmicks in NXT. We know that. All right. BC, that's the first part of the main event. I'm actually – I was going to close, but we do have a, one more DM. Why don't you hit me that sound right there? Oh, yeah. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that, an email? And I wanted to make sure this one got in because it's a new longtime listener but first-time DMer, Tom Mitch, M-I-S-C-H, at – Pony Y underscore 32. Very quick, yes or no answer, maybe a little bit extra. Is WWE bastardizing the aura of WrestleMania with these big stadium shows? I know they are marketed and storyline differently, but I wanted to hear your thoughts. What do you think? Uh, they were in Saudi. They did not in Aussie. What happens at Crown Jewel will answer that question for us moving forward. I agree completely. Okay, second part of the main event. We just spoke a lot about men's wrestling. There's a lot going on in women's wrestling in WWE, building up to WWE evolution. So BC, overall question to start, and then we got a couple topics to touch. Are they doing enough to get you excited for the show after Monday and Tuesday shows? Uh, For me personally, we're always honest on the show. I'm going to say no. I'm not going to say I I look down on this show. I'm not going to say I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to say they didn't try either. Because there is some ambition involved, and there's some women's feuds there that I am very into, from Rousey through Charlotte and uh, and Becky for sure. But no, I, I I'm not overly excited about this, and it's not a 
a, you know, men's wrestling is better than women's wrestling thing. Anyone that listens to the show knows how much we appreciate women's wrestling to the point that we scream at them to appreciate it like you do over on that yellow and black NXT brand and the Four Horsewomen. That's why Becky Charlotte is so fun right now because there's an appreciation going on there. But, right. no, um, I feel like they're, they're, they're a little they're a little underserving. And, and now the response to that response is how much does that have to do with Crown Jewel and the social aspect of that they're just doing this to make it look like, hey, when we take all the money from the Prince of Saudi, now we don't have to feel as bad because we gave yeah. the women on Uniondale, Long Island, their own showcase. But, <laughs> I mean, even putting that aside for a second, no, I'm not really overly feeling it. By the way, there was a episode of WWE Ride Along on Tuesday or Monday, I think, actually after Raw, where uh, – Becky and Charlotte are on the phone with Ric Flair in the car, and they're asking him if he's going to show up to Evolution, which I actually don't know why he would, considering it's on a women's pay-per-view, but they're asking him if he'd show up, and he basically crapped all over Long Island. He's like, it's the worst place in the world. I have no <laughs> desire to ever go there. I don't care if it's the first ever women's pay-per-view. I don't want to go. It was really funny. Um, so I'm, I kind of agree with you, but I also kind of don't. So prior to Monday night, I was like, man, they have done nothing for Evolution. And I knew they had to worry about Super Showdown first, but I was just kind of like underwhelmed by it. I didn't care about those two singles matches they had, one Trish versus Alexa Bliss, the other Mickey versus Lita. It didn't even make sense, the second one. So I was like, eh, I don't really feel it. And then Monday and Tuesday happened, and I got to be honest, they got me caring. Now, I don't think the card as it stands now, and we'll talk about it at the end, is built up enough, and I think there's some notable people missing Namely, Sasha Banks, who may be hurt, may not be hurt. Bailey, who is part of the revolution of women in WWE, and she's in a mixed match situation right now. So I don't know if I'm fully on board yet and fully excited, but I'm more hopeful than I was. And I think the first thing that really made me hopeful Monday night was we saw a repeat of that six-woman tag match, Ronda Rousey and the Bella Twins against the Riot Squad. And we saw Ronda Rousey win... And awesome, you know, good stuff, again, just like it was in Australia. But what did we see Monday? We saw the Bella Twins turn on Ronda Rousey. Rousey gets some really good offense back on them. But ultimately, Nikki and Brie leaving her laid out uh, outside the ring. What did you think of that heel turn? And does it make you feel better about this long-rumored and now-confirmed Ronda versus Nikki match for the title? Uh, I love every, I love almost everything about this. And when I say almost, I mean like 98% of it. It's not yeah. that this was a surprise. We all knew it was coming. We thought it right. might come Saturday when they all were all raising their arms. It didn't, they certainly telegraphed it. That's fine. Execution is what it's all about. Because most of the time these days with spoilers and dirt sheets, we already know it's coming anyway. I mean, it's so rare that we, that we are surprised. And this was nearly perfect. I mean that. I loved the way they did this. Nikki and Bree, and we got problems with Bree, and... They're so much better as heels. I mean, oh, yeah. so much better. Doing that, like, they were the best thing about the pre-revolution women's run. So the, the last the last pre-revolution main roster women's run, the people on top were the Bellas and AJ Lee. And I always thought the Bellas teaming up as sisters to bully Paige, young Paige and other people, were always the best thing to watch on that. You thought you know? they were better than AJ? I thought that was the best thing going overall. Okay. I'm not saying that they were maybe better workers. I'm just saying overall, when... You weren't seeing great wrestling out of the women. It was the last stretch where you really were not seeing great wrestling. 
the thing that I would pop for the most was, oh, the Bellas are going to bully somebody, and they're really good at it, you know? They're, and, I mean, I actually kind of got sucked into that uh, Steph versus Brie feud, even though yeah. Brie, Brie was more the babyface there. So my whole point on that is that's the best use of them, and both of them nailed their roles perfectly. And the fact that they were vicious in their attack on, on Ronda is exactly what sealed it. When they threw her face first into the pole, I mean, it really was brilliant booking because she fought them off quickly, as she sort of should, and right. then the numbers game got to her. Love. Love it. Now, certainly the follow-up questions of what did you not like are, well, where the heck was Natty? Thousand percent. So on w, so on WWE social media, just to save it for you, they ended up showing a video, a long video actually, of Natty coming out immediately after. Kayfabe reason, who knows why she wasn't there at the time, but she came out after, helped Ronda up, brought her to the back. Okay. Can they show that for four seconds later in the Raw episode and say, what you missed during commercial? Like, why is there so much gold on the internet? Stop. Anyway, um, no. What, what are we going to say bad about it? It was great, and here's the deal. I said that I'm not overly enthused with Evolution. I'm overly enthused with Ronda versus Nikki. These are two different generations. It's almost like Nikki's the last bastion of the pre-Four Horsewomen era. Ronda's sort of the leader of the new post-Four I mean, it's still part of the overall revolution, but it's, it's sort of a crossroads between stardom that I love and the heel turn, though, Adam, with Brie. What are we going to do about her on Tuesday nights? Is that whole storyline done? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think that's the the women being involved, the wives being involved is over. So that kind of clears the way for her to do that. So that's okay. I, I was worried about that too. What I would have liked, the one thing I would change, I kind of wish that they embraced the Divas era and kind of said, Rhonda's here trying to make all these changes. Well, the Divas were still good too. And we were the best Divas ever. And kind of lean into that where it's era versus era. And if you're going to have it main event, which, man, it really shouldn't over the next match we're going to discuss. But I have a feeling it will. Okay? If you're going to do that, then you have Ronda leading the evolution over the best of the best divas. And and it makes a lot more sense that way. And and there's still time to do that, and maybe they will. I would have liked something like that. But I thought, you're right, man. The heel turn was perfect. The timing was good. It was telegraphed. The brutality of the stairs and the pole – that's what you need from them. And they were relentless, too. They didn't just turn on her. They came back for more, and they had to get pulled apart. So certainly it's, I did it, like that. It's going to only improve if they give you a good justification next week, although we can certainly tell with the jealousy and all that. But yeah. uh, I really like also the interplay between Bree and Liv Morgan over those two matches, especially on Saturday, yes. knowing yeah. their real-life sort of beef with Liv getting knocked out. That whole, like, they were exchanging stiff strikes, and when Brie held Liv's tongue when she stuck it out in front of her during that match, all that stuff is, guess what? Attention to detail that combines the shoot aspect into the work. Hey, WWE, you're trying. You're actually trying. I love it. They're not just trying. They're succeeding because you're, you're liking it. And on, Mon- and on Monday night, when they redid the match, she ducked the kick, Liv. So it's like, oh, man, they're really playing into this. This is how you're supposed to book and write it's not necessarily going to be the most adult theme stuff that we want. And they're not going to give us the, the brutal storylines and the cursing and all that other stuff that we're used to from the attitude era that we've, you know, we want them to be a little bit more adult, but you don't need to be rated MA. If you're rated TV PG 13, that's going to do a good job. Or even if you're on the cusp of it and that's what WWE is doing on both shows. And speaking of that on SmackDown, the match that I hope, you know, headlines evolution, but probably won't because it's on SmackDown, God forbid. And it doesn't involve Ronda Rousey and Nikki Bella, two crossover stars. Becky Lynch versus Charlotte in what will be a last woman 
standing match. You had Becky win at Super Showdown by using her belt. I almost said belt. Very, very close. Her championship title like a whip, forcing the disqualification. And then on Tuesday night on SmackDown, you saw a double countout with Becky and Charlotte. Just a really brutal, really good three-segment match between them leading off the show. What did you think about the two matches? And are you excited to see a last woman standing match? Yeah, th- this match was really good. And it, and it was, I almost didn't want it to be so good because you're saying to yourself, this should be on Evolution. Like, don't right. give it to us a couple weeks before. And then don't give us like a 32-minute opening segment like you just said. So there were certain elements of me that were like, wow, these they're really going for it. They're giving these guys a push. But are they giving these guys a push for 32 minutes on a two-hour show only because they won't be main eventing Evolution? Probably there's Probably. something to do with that. But I understand why they're not. Love the storyline. Love it. Need Becky to retain the belt. I'm not sure if she will, though. I'm not sure long-term when we get into the Evolution preview in a couple weeks if she will. I could see it either way, but, man, they went for it. They the th- went for it in this match. I mean, they left it all in the ring. Like they, it, was, it was exhausting. It was brutal. It was great. The two suplexes outside the ring were fantastic. Here's my issue with Evolution, right? The entire reason Evolution as a pay-per-view and the women's revolution in WWE exists is the four horsewomen. It really is. It's nice that Ronda's there. You know I'm around. Ronda Rousey, Mark, if you want to call it that, I'm fully bought in as her being incredible long-term for WWE. But the reason why all of this has changed and the reason all of it exists is Sarah Amato in NXT, you know, the trainer, and Becky, Charlotte, Sasha, and Bayley. And you're telling me that right now we're going to have an Evolution pay-per-view where it's the first ever women's pay-per-view, and you have Becky versus Charlotte as a storyline, and that's probably not going to main event, and neither Bayley nor Sasha have a match on the show. That's, that doesn't yeah, do it for me. That's not that's a problem. That's not, uh, that's not, no, that's not working. That's not working. It's not, it's not working for me. Okay. A couple more things really quick. They took those two singles matches that I mentioned earlier, Trish and bliss going head to head and Lita and Mickey going head to head. They combined it into a tag team match, Trish and Lita versus bliss and Mickey James. Dave Meltzer reports. That was always the plan. And apparently he just found out this week that that was always the plan, but that's what they told him. Um, I'm fine with that. I think it's better. I, I never necessarily understood why Trish versus Bliss was why she was the one chosen to get Trish necessarily. This one makes a lot more sense to me as a tag team match. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense. It's going to make it better so it doesn't drag on. There's going to be some fun moments in there. Um, I I think I just realized, look, we all have our – we just don't like certain people. I'm not a big big Undertaker or Kane guy, okay? I respect their contributions to the business. Not a big Trish Stratus or Lita guy either. It just is what it is, all right? Like, and – I'll watch it. I'm hoping it'll entertain me, but I'm not. Really, I'm not really moved by that. Well, their era wasn't necessarily great. I mean, she was a great women's champion in her, in her time, but there was never like besides the Mickey James feud, which is historic and legendary in WWE. It is as a women's feud. There, there's only so many of them, and Mickey James versus Trish, and really Trish versus Lita too. They're some of the biggest feuds of all time for for women in WWE. But if you don't count those, the way that she was used in other ways. The way they retired Lita, the way Mickey left, it, they never did anything to make you feel that they were prestigious or that they were important in that time. It's only looking back on it that you say, wow, they actually were really important. But in the moment, I think you they, never, it, yeah. they never made it a big deal. Yeah, so so now we go, oh, the legend. They, and, and look, it's not like they didn't have really good women's matches at a time when there were awful women's matches. They did, yes. but yes. I don't know, just, I, just not feeling it. But I did love the remark from Mickey with, with the reference to Chicago and WrestleMania 22 and her winning the championship. And yep. of the four women there, 
and people DM'd me uh, emojis of a pair of jeans. <laughs> Shout out to Mickey James. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. By the way, uh, this this conversation is probably better for uh, in this corner after dark, and I don't even know if we have female listeners, but uh, it's, o- it's always interesting when you um, see a WWE superstar in person as opposed to on TV. Sometimes they look different, yes. better, worse, yeah. whatever that. Shout out to Mickey James. That's all I'm going to say. Well, when we saw her at WrestleMania, when we interviewed her, also Nia Jax, by the way, who like looks beautiful on TV, but in person it's like, Holy cow, get why she was a model. Like, it totally makes sense. Um, oh, this guy's Silver King jumping in here. Wow, wow. Well, no, she, we're talking. Listen, I mean, she's I'm not just, like I mean, most girls. You got to be honest. She's not. Listen, she's obviously not like most girls. All right. One last thing here on women's evolution. It really, women's evolution, WWE evolution. It really did seem pretty obvious that WWE was on its way to introducing women's tag team titles. They put Naomi and Asuka together. They have the Iconics. They have the Riot Squad. They have Mandy and Sonya Deville. Bailey and Sasha Banks actually had a tag team name, okay, and so on and so forth in WWE. If they don't bring out women's tag team titles at this pay-per-view, A, are you disappointed, and B, is it a missed opportunity? I'll be softly disappointed. It would be a missed opportunity. It would feel like we wasted some time. I'm I'm still, by the way, upset that Absolution got devolved even though they're st- dissolved even though they're still together they're it, together yeah but they don't call them that anymore and they re- rolled out this new mandy rose thing that they only use sometimes i don't know that's all weird but uh because i felt like they were so good together and so fresh and so new they should have been the first Ma- ones to mandy and sonia actually have two of the best entrances in wwe right now um i'd like to see it this would be the time if they don't do it yes it's a missed opportunity okay i'm with you there bc we're gonna finish the main event with a, I, I consider it a separate segment. You don't. But let's do a little This Week in NJPW. Oh, wow. Okay, so bonk. a, oh, that, a that lot part, went down. Part, come on, the bonk part is the best, right? It's good, it's good. Oh, a lot went down it. this week at NJPW King of Pro Wrestling. You're like, Wrestling. let's just get through it. It's good. I mean, you know. Well, talking about hearing Jimmy, I wanted to actually bring up something that didn't happen this week at King of Pro Wrestling. I want to talk about something briefly that happened last week because I did not see it at the time. I just saw it last night. Cody's promo an entire press conference after winning the U.S. title from Juice Robinson may be the best nine minutes of promo work that I have seen in for in an extremely long time. Yes. Okay. I you have to go to YouTube. I referenced you it in our show last week. Even if you don't watch NJPW, which a lot of you don't, and that's fine. Go to YouTube. Find this promo I'm talking about from Cody. It's eight minutes and like thirty seconds. It's half in character, half out of character, jumps back and forth between it. It's someone who has found themselves as a professional and feels comfortable in their own skin. Kind of like the Silver King when we got to episode oh, wait, wait, wait. When we I got just, to episode 100 here, oh, I in this can corner, see I was what's green. happening here. This is a classic hedge in front of your ears no, right here. This is the hedge of a life. You must be a hedge fund manager. Listen how to this, Silver King. Last week... You did your typical poo-poo on Cody. How he's not oh, a great no, wrestler. No, 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 he's no, not no, this. No. He's not no, that. No, no. And Stop. this week, you're Stop. trying to jump in, even though Jax Browner on our show nailed Stop. why Cody's amazing last week. Stop. 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 My opinion of him in the ring and in the storylines they're giving him has not changed. I'm talking about him as a on-mic vocal performer. What he did in that press conference 
was fantastic. And I'm not going to say that it was crap just because I don't like him as an in-ring worker. I'm not like that. I give you my true opinion no matter where it falls. This moment, this eight minutes and 39 seconds or however long it was, was some of the best stuff I've seen in professional wrestling yes. this year. Love it. Love it. I mean, it got me so damn. Oh, man, I'm fired up for I this. Still maintain, I still maintain my, and we're going to talk about it in 30 seconds. I still maintain my opinion about him being in the triple threat match and about him as a wrestler. It just well, doesn't do it for me. There's people that listen to the show, Adam, that are very upset with you, and 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 I get a bunch of DMs about it, about your. Of course you do. How about the you, only DMs. You can't hear Jimmy. You can't hear Cody. Of all the tweets we get directed to both of us, the only ones that criticize me come to you in DMs. Yeah. The ones that criticize you come to both of us. Well, I mean, my, my name is on the marquee of the show, but uh, shout out to somebody who just really couldn't take it anymore this week. <laughs> Uh, from William Giovanni, longtime listener, DMs us a lot. Doesn't make it on the show a lot, but he made it this week at G underscore I underscore O. And he says, bruh, I'm not trying to make an official DM slide. Just a request. Can NJPW King of Pro Wrestling get some B camps love? Come on. Yeah, obviously. Damn right. It can. No disrespect to your co-host who seems like a solid dude. Or does he? But I don't believe he actually cares about anything WWE doesn't make a bag on. Uh Either way, I'm going to five-star y'all and leave a comment. Peace out, King. Hey, Will, Will, I am William Giovanni, my man. Thank you for joining the show, and I think you're damn right. Oh, you do not actually think that. Stop. I think, like, you know, like you'll— Brian, I'm the one messaging you sometimes saying, holy crap, did you watch this yet? And you're like, no, I haven't watched it yet. I watched King of Pro Wrestling— Two days before you did. So how am I hating You'll on it? You'll deal with NJPW when it's great, but you you want it to go away. You want WWE to be your all, your all in all. There was a period of time when we started watching it, where after we saw the, the two Kenny Okada matches, when we first got into it, I was like, wow, those were really good matches. And we started watching some of the other stuff, and it just wasn't doing it for me. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to spend a lot of time on the show where we have a limited amount of time talking about NJPW when we have so much other WWE stuff to talk about. That was two years ago. Okay, since then, we've had myriad NJPW discussions. My tune has changed on them to that regard. And I've always given them credit where credit is due. That said, I'm also going to criticize them when they deserve it, which is something you will occasionally do, but you're really not willing to go full in and, and talk about them and criticize them like you criticize WWE when they deserve it. Hey, talk to your boy, William Giovanni. He hears things. He, I, I think just he did. can hear Jimmy. I just did. I think he can. All right. Hey, this card was on Sunday. And you know what? King of Pro Wrestling, I don't know what, what city it was in. It was, oh, Tokyo. It was fan-friggin-tastic. Tokyo, Japan. This was a damn good card. I love it. It was fantastic. This was a great card. It was better than WWE Super Showdown. This was fantastic. Uh, what was the last NJPW show? Uh, I forgot what it's called. Are you talking about the uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed? Yes. This was twice as good as that. Uh, well, that's that's a little bit of a stretch. I like Fighting true. Spirit Unleashed a lot. This was better. This was damn good. And all the fears and misgivings you had coming in about it last week on our show, Adam, they were, they were proven wrong. This show was great. That's not true at all. This that's show had surprises. It had great wrestling. It had intensity it had guys like my my man tamatanga walking to the ring grabbing the camera and pointing out his crotch like this had everything you want cool oh wow 
All right, let's get hey, into sorry, talking. About, sorry, let's get into talking about this. So I'm mumbling. Actually... I got so much steak in my mouth, I can barely get the words out here. I, I, I got. So you have a, you're saying you have a lot of meat in your mouth. I got Jimmy on in the background. Sorry, a lot of meat. In, a lot of meat in BC's mouth. So I will do the one introducing these topics. We have three of them that are the key ones here. First, let's talk about the main event: Kenny Omega defending the IWGP Heavyweight Championship in a triple threat match with Kota Ibushi with Cody. Um, you know, good match. Normal, tri- nor- pretty normal triple threat match. What I thought was interesting is we got a little bit of everyone's style over the course of the match. You got a little bit of Cody with the tables. You got a little bit of Coda. You got a little bit of Kenny, obviously, with the uh, pace and the maneuvers. What did you think of the match? Did it live up to your expectations? Because you know how I felt about it going in, and I'll, I'll save my take for after. Yeah, I absolutely love this match. 34 minutes and 13 seconds of high-wire wrestling, and the inclusion of Cody ended up being perfect. And look, I'll reiterate from last week, this was an in-between move-the-chains pay-per-view. It was something where we were coming off a show. I didn't even know the show was happening till last week. And then they put this badass main event on there. And the whole time, there's teases. Now, Cody had to be in there to run interference because Kenny and Coda, the Golden Lovers, one day they will have this epic singles match that they had a 30-minute one at the G1, and we know that Coda beat Kenny. So Kenny owes him. Cody getting into this, it allowed him to play a slight heel in the match, allowed him to take some bumps, but we certainly had some Kenny Coda action. And I think the biggest takeaway from here, outside of great high-wire action, this is like a 4.75 star match to me. This was a fantastic oh, match. God. And on top of that, I thought it would be Cody trying to push Kenny versus Coda a little bit more. Cody maybe turning on one of them at the end. Instead, I think because of the intensity of the match, it kind of showed a little bit of unrest potentially between Kenny and Coda. I felt like if we're doing a long-term Mega Powers Explode, which we thought we were going to do with Kenny and Coda, or with Kenny and Cody, and it kind of played out not really, I felt like I, I saw little Easter eggs in there. And there were so many great moments in this match. I mean, when Cody got suplexed through that table and the announcers are going, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Oh, shit. I mean, that was absolutely fantastic. A lot of big spots through tables. And the moment of the match, did you see Kenny Omega diving in after Coda mm-hmm. hit Cody with a finisher? He was going for the pin, and Kenny dives in and grabs Red Shoe's hand as he's about to go to the three count. And I think that started a little bit of unrest between Kenny and Coda. Did you hear, Jimmy? Did you feel that coming out of the screen? Well, did you pick well, up the on whole that? the whole storyline there is that it's Kenny basically saying to Coda, "We're best friends, we're golden lovers, so on and so forth." But I'm the one who's the champion kind of know your role a little bit. And I did what I had to do to keep my title. And maybe to the point that he prefers his tight, the relationship with the title over his relationship with Coda. So I do like the storytelling from the Kenny part, but I really thought you could have had that without Cody in the match who shouldn't have been in there, who brought the quality of the match do you down. you understand what it Cody wasn't, did in there though? He, was, he made it so that you can have Kenny versus Coda at a really big pay-per-view down the road when it really yeah. matters and you can extend also, to get there. They also couldn't have had any of them in this match and had Kenny face someone else. This is, a, this is a classic silver. No, because the book, we just got I, a great I, match with great little. The match was very future. good. BC, the match was very good, but that doesn't change the fact that my opinion from last week, I maintain it. There was no reason for Cody to be in that match. It didn't necessarily work for me. I don't think he added much to it. It was fine. And now this is a guy who not only does he have two titles, he just contended for that. And the next thing he said the next day is, all right, now I'm going to contend for the ROH World Championship. So it's like, what? For, and he hasn't won anything to get these opportunities. It, the booking isn't good in this, in this, in this part. The storytelling with Kenny and Coda 
is fine. But it, you didn't need this for it, and you didn't need to have this triple threat match at all in order to do it. It's, I'm, is, I'm being honest. This is a classic silver. So There's a lot pay. of people who agree with me. You saw the tweets after last week's show. This is class- don't, make it, don't make it like I'm out on a ledge here. Uh, this was a great match that planted very hints good match. for the future. And by the way, Cody was great in this match. He was great in this match. And him diving in a half second late after Kenny hit Cody with the uh, one-wing angel was fantastic. That's a, that's a classic triple threat trope, though. Come on, that's right. not... So let's not enjoy it, because it's a... Cl- no, like, I'm not like, saying like, it wasn't good. On, they I, don't do a... triple threats in this in this company, and they did, and it was awesome, and it was... An and this wasn't, and this wasn't the opportunity that they should have done one. That's my contention. Wow. That's what I'm trying to say. All right, well... I'm, I'm not saying I, it was I, bad. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm telling you why storyline-wise, I didn't like it. This is why we Before can't have nice after. things in wrestling. You could go back to constant up and down disappointment in WWE, where it's good, okay. It's a you can bit hold your you can hold your horses for about three minutes, and I'm going to tell you one of the best book storylines of all time on the same exact show. All right, well, right? Close so why don't you match, calm down? Ace versus Kenny when they did that face off afterwards. Tanahashi coming in with the briefcase. Kenny kind of trash talking him. I am so damn fired up for this match at Wrestle Kingdom 13 in January. I love that they're announcing it now. I love that there's going to be a long build to get there. Where they're going in the larger portion of the revolution coming off a year that was very important and strategic in the beginning of the year when Jericho wrestled Kenny at Wrestle Kingdom and we're like, if this is going to go somewhere this year, we're going to need big things to happen. Jericho kept showing up. We had all in. We're going to have the crews. We had an incredible fourth match between Kenny and Okada in June. Now we know we're going to have these guys probably at MSG during Mania weekend. We're building toward the revolution being real and it going in the right direction. And is there a better matchup than Tanahashi versus Kenny in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom to continue that momentum? Like, this, they are in such a great place right now. By the way, the revolution is real, but it's funny that two weeks ago, Kenny literally called out the crowd in Long Beach of like, well, there's only like 4,000 of you here, but we put on a damn good show for you. That was his like going home moment that no one showed up for that show in long beach just just so you know but it's real they're selling out every building they're in in the united states um it was really good uh you know this guy's unbelievable this guy no it's just funny it's funny but the Uh, moment with hey where's we have jack's browner's phone number because next week him and i are going to do inside the njpw just pouring just pouring milk on top of each other's heads it's gonna be fantastic the moment with the moment with tanahashi was great i was always down for this feud i'm very very excited for it and what i loved and again you want to talk about like wwe putting things on the internet there was an interview at NGPW-esque or somewhere, I don't even know what it was, where Kenny basically just called Tanahashi shit. And he's basically like, the guy is a wrestler, cool, the character, great, the person is a piece of shit. And I was like, whoa! Like, Yeah, they do those oh. Q&As on their website that are half kayfabe, half yeah, real, they're and they're, they're great, yeah. They're great. So, I, so that really got me into it, but I've always been down for Kenny Tanahashi. Let's not forget, I said one of two things would happen at uh, G1. Tanahashi wins. Or Kenny Omega wins, and we got Tanahashi. So I, I've been down for this for a long time. Two more things, NJBW, to talk about. We saw Chris Jericho again. Didn't defend his Intercontinental title, but he pulled a WWE-esque trope, BC, and dressed up as a druid, attacking evil, setting up the IC title match between the two in his first title defense. So I don't think the title is going to change hands that quickly, although I do love evil. But what do you think about Jericho? kind of being repetitive here. I'm going to call it repetitive. There's a little bit of repetitive nature to him dressing up and attacking people, but 
I love it. I love that this guy doesn't really work for anybody, yet you never know when he's going to jump on a plane to, to Japan in between his touring schedule for his band and do really cool stuff like this. And this was a really cool entrance for Evil. I'm not always the biggest Evil fan. I think the gimmick is better than the wrestler, but the gimmick's pretty damn great. And to have interesting, huh. and to have this run in from Jericho with the with the white mask guy. Look, it's 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 great. I don't know where it's going to go in terms of him losing the belt. Was it? Title. Best thing we've ever seen? No, but for a surprise, for a show again, that was supposed to be an in-between show that probably was going to be okay. It ended up being great, and this was one of those moments. It was supposed to be an evil Zack Sabre match. The match never happened. Ended in a no contest. Jericho's doing the crazy makeup again under the mask. That He's just playing this psychotic, a clockwork orange type character, and it's yeah. great. And him having a championship belt, even though not being there, Title. It's it's kind of working out still, and him, you know, if he's got to have a match with Evil at a show, that's fine. I love it, love it. I popped big for this moment, love it. Yeah, I love the idea of seeing Jericho Evil, but I mean, if I'm being honest, I expected him to see him at the show before the show. I when I saw the Druids, I expected him to be a Druid. I'm not saying that I'm any Nostradamus. I'm just a wrestling fan, and when you see that, you expect it. And I expected, hey, when Chris Jericho does make his return, they'll probably be attacking someone disguised. So. It's wearing a little thin. It's getting a little old, but that doesn't mean that I don't like seeing Chris Jericho show up. It was a really cool moment. I'm always happy to see Jericho, but next time, let's not do this. Let, like, let's, let's just do something a little bit different next time Jericho surprises someone because it's really getting repetitive. Uh, last thing here for King of Pro Wrestling, we had Okada save Tanahashi coming out of his victory over Jay White, hit an awesome high fly flow outside the ring on Jay White, to take him out, ended up rolling him up inside after Ghetto got involved. But we saw Okada come down, save Tanahashi, and then BC, we saw the swerve of all swerves, at least in terms of NJPW, when Jay White and Ghetto, after BC OG came out, the firing squad, and it looked like they were about to help Okada take down Jay White and Ghetto. We saw them turn all on Okada with Jay White and Ghetto joining BC firing squad, BCOG, whatever you want to call it. What did you think of the entirety of that match and the aftermath of it? I'm so fired up about where this is going. This was perfect. So Jay White is over his head right now. He's overachieving. He's, I'm starting to, I've already won over on his character, certainly the G1. He was really pushed hard. I'm starting to be won over on him as a wrestler. Him with Gato just works so perfectly. They just, it just works. And they got me. When the BCOGs came out, when the uh, when the Tongans came out, and they suddenly got Okada's back, and they're holding back Gato and holding back White and saying, take a shot at them, and holding back Gato's boy. I, you know, I'm like, oh, wow, Okada and the Tongans? What? What's going on here? The double cross was perfect. The, uh, the gun, was it the, is that the gun stun? Is that what uh, Tongan? Yeah, yeah. What Tama hits off the ropes? I mean. You mean, you mean the RKO? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, essentially, essentially that. Uh, yeah. Great, great. Grimy, great. I so do love you, it. Do you know the detail that makes this great? That's what I have to ask you. What do you got? Finn Balor, Prince Devitt, right? He introduced Jay White to the Tongans, and he introduced him to NJPW as he was exiting. So what they have done is they are now having the new Gaijin leader of the Bullet Club be the, you know, I don't know what the right word I'm looking for is, the... Uh, not the child of Finn Balor, but the the man that joined NJPW in his image, you know, through his loins to some degree, the guy that he introduced to the company to 
maybe be one of the next Gaijin stars of NJPW, is now taking Finn Balor's old place in Bullet Club, leading the old school version of it, the firing squad, the Tongans, etc. That is such a great little detail that Gato will book that maybe hasn't been detailed out in terms of storyline like to the general public. But when you think about it and when they start doing promos about it, it is going to make so much damn sense. Do I love Jay White as leader of the Bullet Club? No, because I don't really love Jay White. And I, I still think despite him overachieving, which is the right word for him, I still think he's a little bit overrated. Um, and do I really care about BCOG, Bullet Club, Firing Squad, whatever? Not really. Still, kind of. But that moment was awesome. Okada getting taken out again by someone else and continuing continuing his downward spiral was awesome. Tanahashi getting beaten down was awesome. And them having a stable swerve was awesome. So I thought that was the moment of the show. I thought that match was fantastic. It wasn't the best match, but it was great. And that was the moment I took away, not the main event. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I like the connection that they had mentioned that on the air. This is, this is my point why this was a great show. You had little reveals. You had little good storyline turns. You had... Really, things were set for the future. And the other match of note on this card was for the vacant IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, Kushida and Marty Skrull. It's a fun-ass match. I love that the that the title, the belt, the strap, no, the, to prepare for the strapation was on Kushida because this guy is fantastic. And it's not yeah. that we didn't know about him. It's not that we didn't like him before. But, I mean, just he's secret, silently putting together like eight, nine, ten consecutive matches that are just insane. Love this guy. Love this cheesy Back to the Future gimmick so much. Like it's just so, yeah, it's so innocently cheesy that it's great. This is this. Look, I, I love it. I love where they're going. I love this revolution. They're, I want them to compete, compete again, compete. Give me a U.S. show, NJPW. All right, not Access TV. I'm sorry. I love that they're trying. Give me a weekly show. Put it on Monday nights. Do it. Put it on Monday nights. I know that's a TNA fine. move. Put it on Monday nights. Yeah, that's a huge mistake if they do that. Put it on Wednesday nights. Put it on but, Thursday. But I don't want it on access because I don't even have access. So no, neither do I. You know what I want it to be on? Like Fight TV. I was going to say an app, but I don't even think enough people have Fight TV. Like right the now, Zone. I was going to say, for example, <laughs> right now, DAZN's just launched with boxing and MMA. I don't know if DAZN's going to take off, but uh, you know, it seems like they got a good model going. They, they, they got, got money. It doesn't. They, they got, got money. a lot of money. They got a lot of plans. It's nine ninety nine a month. If somebody like a DAZN or even Fight TV, if, if it was affordable and more people could went after it, and you just said, this is going to be... And it doesn't even necessarily have to be live, but it's got to be fresh. And it's a mixture. It's what we want. It's a mixture. It can't be what the show is now. It no. needs to be a, a, a unique show, but I just don't think they're going to do that. Like Even if they got the right time slot, I don't know if they would tape one to two hours of their show for American audiences. It's like when WWE got that deal with like Univision. Or I forgot if it was Univision or Telemundo. I don't remember, so apologies. But they started doing like an hour-long Spanish-language-only unique storyline show in like the 90s or early 2000s around the Attitude Era. Again, memories fading. Very foggy here. Um, but they used to do it, and they had to get Spanish characters, and they, and they did the – and the thing failed massively. I'm not saying it would in this case, but if they try to do that with only Gaijin and like a couple Japanese performers mixed in – it's just, I don't know that that's going to work. What Their model and what they're doing now, they have a really good audience. Build that up. Do more shows that matter in the United States. Live shows, not TV shows. And the audience will be there. I don't think 
they need to follow a WWE model. Yeah, which every that's... time an organization tries to do that and go head to head, including WCW, even though it took a while, it fails. No, no, no. That's that's fair. That's fair. It's sort of like that. That's like we. That's our default. Like, oh, I want, I want them to be bigger. I want them to compete. Do that. You, what they probably should do is almost what they're doing because being the elite, as we saw by All In, is really making an imprint. So better, uh, better channel, better production quality, a little bit cleaner in terms of it being a show. That's all they need to do. What if they just blew up being, I don't know. No, I like being the elite being separate. What if they did it on YouTube? What if it was a, uh, what if it was for something free? like that on Netflix? Not for free. You need YouTube. a, they want a TV contract. They want money. Yeah. And we'll see. We'll see what happens, but damn, this was a great show. Damn. I'm inspired on where we're going here. Very, very good show. That angle though, with Jay White, man, that's great. When you really think about the details of it, that's long-term booking. That's Gato. That's where he makes a difference. And that's why I like something like that. And I don't necessarily love the Omega storyline and with Cody because that kind of seemed like they just needed a main event. That was very WWE. They needed a main event. They just kind of threw something together and put it on the show and they'll make it work long-term. This one was like a planned thing that would eventually happen and they followed through with it. That's the difference for me. And that's why I love NJPW and that's why you love NJPW. It's for those big, those bigger Longer term storylines, not the ones that they're just like, oh, this will work. We'll make it work. That's the difference for me. Okay, BC, a little bit of show left. My favorite segment, your favorite segment, hero or zero. All right, let's do the lightning round edition because we did go way long on Super Showdown, although I think it did deserve it. BC, let's talk about the one thing we didn't talk about with Money in the Sand 2, the WWE World Cup. Already qualified for this eight-man tournament, which will run just like King of the Ring, are John Cena, Kurt Angle, Jeff Hardy, and Randy Orton. And it certainly looks like Rey Mysterio will be added to the field as he is returning next week at SmackDown 1000. So here's my question for you. This World Cup is to determine the quote-unquote best in the world, okay? Already it's not going to include Chris Jericho. That's a problem. But aside from that, is the field too old for such a tournament? Hero or zero? It's hard to answer because right when they launched the best in the world, it was like, oh, oh. that means. What does nothing. that mean? What does it mean? That right. means nothing. That means worse than that green belt Strowman got. In, right. in Jeddah for winning the uh, the damn thing, uh, or the trophy, too. Actually, the green one, we can call that a belt. I will accept it. That's a belt. Oh, that was meaningless. Right. That's great. That's it's not a championship. It's nothing. Go ahead. It's a strap, basically. Strap, yeah. By the way, where, where's pay-per-view rewind? I think it's time to do the Apple Pie Indian strap match on pay-per-view Let's do rewind. it. I'm I just down. watched Let's that again it. just uh, the other day. Um, Let's do it. Yeah. I like I like any time. Okay, I like the tournament format. I like any time you have to qualify for something. Cena obviously yep. got in. The use of Kurt Angle in this battle royal with Baron Corbin was brilliant. It really was. This was a great segment on Raw. It was hilarious, the jobbers and how they tied them to jobs and countries. And it was hilarious how Angle, who always really overachieves in a comedy role, went all out in this. And yep. He actually posted yep. a pretty damn creepy uh, picture of himself on Instagram in a mask mentioning that he's going to role play later with Mrs. Angle. I mean, that part was a little gross. But uh, I love it. So, yeah, everyone's old, but... The thing is, it doesn't matter. You got to put a stipulation. I mean, you got to say that if you win this, you get something. And right. 
Outside of that, well, I love one-night tournaments. WrestleMania 4 one-night tournament was bad, but I love it. The Wrestling Classic 1985 pay-per-view, the first pay-per-view I ever watched, the first actual WWE pay-per-view, love it, one-night tournament. So I'm going to say a hero, but I'm going to say that it's still overshadowed by the zero reality that there's nothing at stake, and that's that's a problem for me. All right, so this one is a massive, total, complete zero for me, like in every way. And the reason is, BC, you know how much I love King of the Ring and I thought we might actually get this. I thought they needed something cool to do for Money in the Sand 2. They're going to give us a King of the Ring. We're going to get Finn Balor and Samoa Joe and Bobby Roode and Andrade Cien Almas. And this is going to be an eight-man tournament. And this is going to be awesome. Instead, what it is, it's dream booking from the Saudi prince who only knows old dudes and basically just wants a bunch of names that he knows in this tournament in the show. And they're figuring out a way to do it. John Cena gets into the field, they literally said, because he's John Cena. Because of a career of accomplishments, John Cena doesn't need to qualify. Really? Okay, fine. <laughs> but let me put that aside. I'm even going to put aside the Kurt Angle thing, because you're right. On its own, the Kurt Angle, Conquistador, it was incredible. It was one of the best moments of Raw. You kind of knew it was him the entire time. But even though he was masked, those moves and the fluidity of the way he moved in the ring... He needed that time off to train and get back into it. He looked great. Better than he's looked in any in-ring moment since returning to WWE. I thought that was awesome. But again, Kurt Angle, I don't know his age. 48, let's call it. I don't know. Old man. Jeff Hardy. I thought he was taking a huge sabbatical because he got destroyed by Randy Orton and went face first through a table out of Hell in a Cell. In that brutal spot, he got stretchered off. He's back after three weeks. What the hell? And then you have Randy Orton beating Big Show, whatever. That, that He at least is an active performer. And Rey Mysterio being in it, which will be obvious when he beats Shinsuke Nakamura next week. Come on. They ruined this for me just before it even started. Well, because, I don't care who wins. Because it doesn't matter, it's almost better that it's an old guy all-star game. It's better that it doesn't matter. I agree. So that's why I have to keep it a hero. It's, it's that because it's a zero that it doesn't matter, I would rather have it this than be a mixture of no... Bo- you but know, like dude... A, but we have all these wrestlers, all these performers who are great, who are literally doing nothing and who have nothing to do for this show. And at least on the last show, they were in the battle, the Royal Rumble, or, or greatest Royal Rumble. This one, we have literally Finn Balor, Shinsuke Nakamura, Samoa Joe, all these freaking great dudes, Andrade, etc., with nothing to do. And we have all these old-ass dudes in the featured tournament on the show. It, it, it's a problem for me. Zero. All right. Hey, Hero Zero Lightning Round Edition now. After that answer. <laughs> After that. Uh, okay. Adam, short build for SmackDown's 1,000th episode Tuesday night. Next Tuesday, obviously. But they have announced what we mentioned earlier, the reformation of Evolution. We know Rey Mysterio's coming back. The, the damn Undertaker's been advertised. Edge will be on that show, even though he couldn't be on this show that time. Remember that time he screwed mm-hmm. us on that podcast? I'll never forget I that, do. Edge. Hey, I'm still thinking about that, Edge. I still got that on tape. Edge, I still got the audio when you screwed us on this show. Anyway. <laughs> we'll, we'll flesh that story out another day. Adam, Hero Zero, are you excited for SmackDown 1000? And I'm going to add this. Sure. Does the fact that Raw 25 let us down add a negative element to your potential excitement? Go. So I don't think they're building this up nearly the way they built up Raw 25. So for that reason, no. That that does not soil my ex- potential excitement here. This is a two-hour show. Um, like I said, it's not being built up the same way. They've literally only taken two total weeks to build it, and the announcements, the, the people that are going to be there are perfectly fine. Batista basically 
forced his way onto the show by criticizing WWE publicly for like not putting him on it, which was ridiculous. That means we're getting Ric Flair, who every opportunity we get to see Rick nowadays, I'm happy. Randy and Triple H we see all the time. So Evolution, fine. Uh, Rey Mysterio announcing his return. Would it have been cooler to be a surprise? Maybe, but they do need to promote it. Fine with that. Taker's going to show up. He's been involved in stuff. Edge has done the, um, I forgot what his show is called that he does, the speaking show, the uh, whatever the hell it is. The Edge, Razor, not Razor's Edge. What the hell is this show called? Oh, yeah. I know what you're saying. Whatever. That show, he's that doing show. that. Yeah. So I'm fine with it. Um, I would really like cutting to see edge? The Cutting Edge? Is it Cutting Edge? The Cutting Edge. That's exactly it. I'd really like to see The Rock. Are we getting JBL? Now tell me who's the fruit booty! I have to I have to imagine we'll get JBL, Vicky Guerrero, Teddy Long. I'm gonna assume all of them are gonna be there. So yes, I'm excited. I it it is only the thousandth show, meaning it's not like the twentieth anniversary or something like that, like a raw twenty-five. So because of that, because of everything else they're doing, hero for me, I'm totally fine with it. All right. I'm gonna go back in here and kill SmackDown. All right, here we go. You agree? Yeah, I, I'm going to say I'm. Uh, it's weird right now with WWE. The the more they lower our expectations, the more they give themselves a chance to. Yeah. To. Uh, it's just weird. It's such. Well, it's it's so weird. Well, but. Well, mo- well, most importantly to that point, when Raw 25 happened, their booking had been awful. Now we're in a stretch of great Raw and SmackDown booking, so that makes me believe this will be a good show. It's I'll fair to say. It. Okay. I don't know if it's BC. great if it's just if it's just pretty damn good and it's better than what we had, but I'll take it. That's fine. Yeah, that's totally fine too. Uh, spoiler alert, everyone, for those who have not watched 205 Live yet. Okay, now it's paused. There is a returning WWE superstar on the show Wednesday in the name of Maria Kanellis, who, which, and her coming back means Mike is back on television. So Mike Kanellis has now moved Mike Bennett, formerly Mike Bennett, has now moved over to 205 Live after spending the last like seven, eight months basically on WWE main event, dark matches and house shows. Hero or zero to WWE moving this act to 205 Live. Uh, big time hero because Mike Bennett's story is a, is a pretty cool one. How when he joined WWE, he was, still had a hidden prescription pill addiction hidden from his wife. And then you saw the change once he came clean with that. WWE yep. has used that storyline publicly as an advantage to, you know, to, to promote it in the right way for a good message that it is. And he is in fantastic shape. And yes, he's been toiling on the bottom end of the in the Ascension territory, although they're getting a below, a little below work. the Ascension. Yeah, although they've been getting work lately. He's down in like the oh, he's still employed to area, which is like <laughs> the Rosa Menda or Eve Mendez area or yes, whatever, you yes. know, like uh, who was still employed somehow like two and a half years ago. Um, <laughs> great story. And look, they never got because of Maria's pregnancy and congratulations to them on their first child. They never we never got to play out the whole. Uh, love thing that they were doing and I think Maria is really going to contribute I think she's really good at, at a role where she's on the mic she had a little run NJPW a while back where she was uh, really really damn good there as well so uh, I'm pretty excited for this and I do like Mike as a person loved him in TNA by the way as, as the miracle um, I'm down for this because they work great together yeah it's an absolute hero I think Carl Anderson's happy that she's back as well um, yes. but no I think uh, it's it's great 205 Live every time that they add a piece of talent recently. It has been a huge boon for the show. They added Leo Rush. That was awesome. Buddy Murphy was awesome. This is awesome, too. So you get Maria on the show, who can talk, is a great manager. You get a really good wrestler, Mike Bennett, now Mike Kanellis, on the show. It's a win-win. And, and what you, the only thing you didn't mention is, so you have Mike, who has the opioid addiction, right? Goes to rehab. Ready to come back from rehab. Maria gets pregnant. Maria has her kid, 
and is training to come back and is ready to re-debut, like breaks her foot or elbow or hand or something, that gets pushed back. So not only did the opioid stuff happen and the rehab happen, they've had all these life things legitimately happen to them over the last like year or so. And now they're back and I'm very excited to see what they do on Wednesday nights on 205 Taped. Yeah, heck yeah. Hey, Adam, uh, your favorite thing in the world, uh, the May Young Classic, which is as good as the Cruiserweight Classic ever was. So I'll take that. At this right point now. in it, yes. Okay. And while I haven't watched it, it's been established. You continue to rave about it, so let me ask you this. Hero Zero to whether WWE is running this tournament better than last year and signing the right women coming off the show. So it's definitely a split. Hero to that, they're running it better. Kind of already discussed it, so I'm not going to repeat it. Matches are better. Storylines are better. Literally everything is better. The commentary is better. Everything. Um, in terms of signing the right women, like I don't actually know that they are. That doesn't mean that the women they've signed are bad. But we just saw last week on Wednesday, Maiko Satomura against Mercedes Martinez. In no joke, one of the best WWE women's matches that we have seen in years. Literally that good. It tore the freaking house down. People were going nuts. And what it told me was every time WWE signs a women's wrestler, with the exception of Rousey and Mickey, who they brought back, they're signing like a 20-something, right? Because they want a young, attractive woman in many cases who they can build a brand on. You know, They're trying to develop themselves, so on and so forth. But the two women I just mentioned that competed in this match are light years beyond those other women in terms of talent in terms of experience and ability. And if we're able to bring back Jeff Hardy and Rey Mysterio and Kurt Angle, I think WWE needs to sign some damn women. And when I say women, I mean 35 and older who are pros in the ring, who can tear the freaking house down. You want to have a real women's evolution in WWE? Give us great women's wrestling. And that's what those two and a couple others in this tournament are able to bring. But Satomura, who I had no experience with before, is incredible, and Martinez, who was in last year's event, was great. This match is appointment viewing between these two. Hero on Mae Young Classic, zero that they're not signing these women long-term. Interesting take. I'm going to have to watch this tournament to get back to you, but Mercedes Martinez, who's 37, by the way, she's a good worker. And, uh, she's great. I found out a couple months ago that she's actually from the town next to me, and when she wow. was was a high school softball player, I uh, was a local reporter covering her game. So there's there's interesting, there, there very interesting. All right, last up here in Hero Zero BC, there was a full heel turn by Bobby Lashley on Raw with Leo Rush playing the annoying, boisterous type of manager role, trying to get the crowd to cheer for Lashley, and then instructing him to destroy Kevin Owens. So Hero or Zero to the heel turn being a good move for Lashley, both with with Rush. And just as his own character that was kind of struggling in WWE. Yeah, du double hero on that because what Rush's shtick is is pretty much a heel shtick, and it's going to come across so much better as that. And Bobby Lashley just doesn't work as a white meat or white collar babyface, especially with the crap uh, dialogue given to him by WWE. So this is fantastic because he's so jacked, he's so physically impressive. Let him beat people up, all right? Because there's there's two ways to book him as a heel, as an absolute destroyer. Or just as a ex-MMA, ex-military guy who's not going to take crap from anybody. And this is really going to work with Leo Rush by his side. What was interesting is that they used Kevin Owens as the foil to get over this heel turn. You know, obviously could have easily be done against a Heath Slater. And we all would have been like, okay. But doing it against Kevin Owens made it matter more. 
And it also was weird to see Kevin Owens put in almost like a baby face position. Is there something brewing there, Adam? I don't know, but I like a big time double hero on this. So rather than repeat you, I'll simply say hero and answer your question, which, yeah, there is. Uh, I believe it was either announced or reported, I think announced by WWE, Kevin Owens is having minor knee surgery. So he's going to be out of action for a little bit. This was a good way to write him off and turn him face, which I like the destroyer Kevin Owens, who we just saw do that, which we thought he was coming back as the prize fighter. And then they gave up on that after a week. So if you're going to do that, turn the guy face. Let's bring him back as a face. Let's have him win a bunch of stuff. I want Kevin Owens to be successful, like win things. Put him back in feuds that matter. He won't always be in the title picture, but put him in things that matter. Um, so a hero overall, I think Lashley as a heel is way, way, way better. And this was a good way to write Owens off and possibly turn him face when he comes back. How about KO and Sammy as a face tag team? Ah, man. Like, is it bad that I'm not missing Sammy Zayn at all? No, no. Sort of is what it is, right? I just don't. I never really cared for him. All right. Have you been That's watching um, that Tuesday night show? Uh, which Tuesday the night damn, show? Um, MMC. Wednesdays. Wednesdays. Oh, yeah, that's part of the new Oh, Wednesday. oh, 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 I'm sorry. Mixed Match Challenge. Is that Tuesday night? That's part of Tuesday. It is yeah. still Tuesdays. Yes, I'm sorry. My fault. Uh, I missed this week. I've All seen right. every other episode. Our good friend Thanos Backlin at TalkBox slid in with a last-minute DM, and he just wants to give some love to that, Adam. I can't that's give love to it because I'm not watching it. But that's said, what I said, man. It's good. Here's, here's Thanos' take. You know why I want to give it love? Because just like Wu-Tang, it's for the children. My little kid loves it, and I do yep. too. It's like a fun house show match, but with TV production, team names, comedy, a little cool wrestling. It won't win you any seven-star Meltzer classics, but it's a really fun watch if you can set all your snarky, marky stuff aside and enjoy for what it is. P.S. Shout out to all the moms and dads out there who make time for wrestling in their lives. Hey, Thanos, I'm a dad. I don't got time for this show, though, bro. Sorry. You can watch it with the Silver King, all right? Well, he's right. I don't have any, you know, I'm single, no kids here, but I enjoy it for that reason. I mean, I'm not, if, if we didn't do this show, I probably wouldn't watch it. I probably wouldn't watch maybe a lot of the, I, I probably never would have started watching 205 Live again if we weren't doing this show. But to watch it, it's enjoyable. It's 45 minutes. It's after SmackDown. It ends at 10. SmackDown ends at 10. I got time. It's good. All right, let's be on, let's have an honest moment here for both of us. Okay? Sure. It's clear we both love wrestling. It's clear we took it to the point where we're, we're part of our job. big part of our job is doing this. It's a labor never of love. An, never anticipated this. But it's a me. big part of our job. And yeah. uh, not everyone knows when I was at ESPN behind the scenes, I pushed them to make this something that was covered. And it was great that it happened. And I love covering it. But we're also very honest about the things we love and don't love about it. If this was no longer your job, if they said tomorrow, Adam, your job is to be the tennis guy. Done with wrestling. You're tennis now. Yeah. How much? What would you actually watch per week if you didn't have Well, to? now – so now – Yeah. Now that you've that, tasted steak, what are you actually well, going to watch? Well, well, now that you and I have gone to this level, I'd probably watch all of it, maybe minus a, something. I, I don't know what I would take away. Maybe maybe I would reduce NJPW just because of the effort it takes. I'd, I'd still watch the big shows, but maybe like the King of Pro Wrestling maybe I wouldn't tune into because of the time. But – just like you kind of got it started at ESPN, dude, we didn't cover WWE here at CBS Sports before I started. We used to have WrestleLine back in the day, and Dave Richard, who's our, one of our fantasy sports gurus, um, did that at the time. But, but after that, we didn't cover WWE, and then your boy, my boy, Anthony Mormile, joined CBS Sports. 
And I started, he saw what I was doing with WrestleMania coverage. And he's like, can you do that for, for the big events? And I said, I can do it for the big four. And then our boy Kieran Portley joined CBS Sports. And, you know, he's like, I'm going to hire this guy, Brian Campbell. And I'm like, all right, is that the guy from ESPN? Yeah, let me listen to his show. And, oh, we're going to do a podcast with Brian Campbell. And he's like, hey, Adam, I think you'd maybe be pretty decent on the podcast with Brian. I'm like, okay. And then I met you. And really, I, this is your fault <laughs> more than anything else. You're the one, uh, along with Nick, who said, hey, we should start watching NJPW. And we started doing that. And all of a sudden, consumption each week went from like five hours to, you know, five hours plus NJPW plus NXT plus 205 Live, Mixed Match Challenge, May Young Classic, Cruiserweight Classic. It's like it's really gotten out of control. That was a long answer to not actually answer my question. I answered the question off the top. What would you watch? I said I think I would probably watch everything as I do now, reducing NJPW okay. to the big right. shows because of time. You would still watch Mixed Mass Challenge, May Young? You'd still watch all that stuff? Because I, I never, if I never got started doing it, no. But now that I'm into this mode and I watch it and it's part of my life, I think I would. I mean, maybe 205 Live I wouldn't watch unless it was a really great match and I was told. But I would still watch NXT. It's the best product. I'd still watch the TV shows. Mae Young's great. I feel like I, I would I watch much more NJPW. I would only watch takeovers. I would watch like an hour of Raw. Maybe skim the videos for SmackDown that they put on YouTube. You would watch all of Raw and, and SmackDown. Then watch, you, you, you would DVR it and fast forward it, but you would watch all of it. And then watch the major WWE pay-per-view. So the big five plus maybe one or two more when they – jack it up but the thing is i would i would explore more i would i would watch uh be in the elite every week no matter what i would really dig deep and you know what i want to do but i don't have the time i barely have time on the wwe network to go deep i want to go deep on that njpw site and really start watching the old uh, wrestle kingdoms and stuff I, w- I want to learn more you know maybe we should do that maybe we should just pause wwe for like the next two months and we just go deep on NJPW pay-per-view archives. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's... You know, on, on a time where we are trying to build podcast subscriptions and five-star reviews and downloads, a really good idea would be not to watch the product that people tune into us to listen to us talk about. That'd be a great idea. Hey, we have listeners on the show that can hear Jimmy. Maybe, you know, maybe we just need to watch. Maybe, maybe this needs to be like a special uh, steak dinner only private Patreon channel where all of us could just get together and hang out and watch it together. They may hear Jimmy, but they're still listening to other music and right. they're listening to the other music more than they are Jimmy. All right. Well, hey, you. WWE, you were not bad this week. Thank you. I have no feel spot. My feel spot was the revolution is still alive. Thank you, Brandy. Yes, I'm, re- I'm ready for it, Brandy. God bless America. I, I yeah. have a real feel spot. Like a legit feel spot. Oh, so that's good, that's good. go for it. What do you got? I, I mentioned I mentioned this. So I'm watching Ride Along on Monday night after Raw. Okay, and the trip destination is from Orlando to Gainesville, which immediately hit me in the feel spot. I went to Florida for four years. Huge Gators fan, um, et cetera, et cetera. So they're driving up there, and they start talking about the Gators, and they get Ric Flair on the phone, and Hey, Dad, guess where we're going? Ric Flair is a big Gators fan. So all of this is kind of hitting me in the feel spot. Becky forces them to pull over to an orange stand that I have visited 10 times maybe in my life, hitting me in the field spot again. They get back in the car. They start talking about evolution. And WWE puts an article up on Ride Along, and it's the article that I wrote about evolution for CBS Sports. So all of a sudden, this random WWE Ride Along episode is hitting me in the freaking field spot because they're talking about where I went to college, my favorite college football team. They're showing places I've been a million times, and then they show an article I wrote for CBS Sports. Personal feel spot moment. Very wow, good. Wow, wow. 
Look yeah. at that. Look at that. That's not bad. I can it's get, weird. I it's very weird. I'm, I'm sitting in bed. I'm like, what? This is cool. It's dirty bed it. sheet moment. Oh, once again, you know. That's My bed sheets are clean. Wow. Wow. God bless America. All right. Uh, yeah, follow us on all our web stuff and, um, you know, keep listening to the show and hopefully WWE will keep us alive. All right? <laughs> As, We're counting until, that. That's a until the revolution heats up enough that we that the competition takes over. Because that's the end game. Man. That's the end game. All right? Real that the, that the evolution takes over and we stop watching WWE? Well, no, that, that, they, that, they, that, they, that they make us have to watch it. Right? We just said we didn't have to watch it. I don't really know if I'd watch it. But make us have to watch it. I would watch less. I wouldn't not watch it. Well, that's, you can have your entitled to your own opinion. There's people out there that do agree with you. That's fine. You know, it's just time to say goodnight. Goodbye. And good night. And uh, yeah, we out. <laughs> <laughs>